Game seven, eight seconds left, home team down by one. Oh, the home team strips the ball and the point guard is all alone. But it appears that there's a wet spot on the free throw line. The fans go silent. Their championship aspirations flash before their eyes. Wait, someone's running out on the court. Oh my, it's the towel boy. How did he clean it so fast? The point guard takes off and dunks the ball. Game over, the crowd erupts. Towel boy, towel boy. Hello, everybody, and thank you for that splendid standing ovation. Welcome to another episode of The Towel Boys. Landon, why don't you intro what this one is going to be about, because I know how excited you are for this specific topic. Boy, am I. Uh, yeah, no, this is, this is a good one. It'll trigger a lot of people in the Eastern Conference, which, in my opinion, is tighter than a lot of analysts give it credit for. I think there are five teams in the Eastern Conference that can seriously compete for the title, even though I think the Nets will win it. I do think there are five competitive teams. So we are going to be breaking down two of those teams today, which are the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers, who faced off in last year's playoffs, and the 76ers got swept by the Boston Celtics. Right, and to to hit on that point a little bit more, a lot of analysts say the East isn't close because they really just focus in on the Nets and say nobody can stop Brooklyn. But even if that is the case, those other four teams are going to make for a very exciting first and second round of the playoffs. You, we could very well see a Celtics Heat first round series or a Celtics uh, Celtics Sixers second round, a Heat Sixers second round. Maybe the Bucks play the Celtics in the first round. These teams are really good still, and while they're not at the Nets level, you never know what's going to happen with the Nets. If they have chemistry issues because they haven't played well together or haven't played together that much, they've played well together when they have, or injuries happen, so who knows? But the Celtics and Sixers are two quality teams in the East, and like you said, they played last year, and the Celtics whooped their butt. Of course, the Sixers were very hurt. So this, this season, if they do play in a potential playoff series, it will look very different. But Landon, who do you see coming out of a... Philadelphia 76ers, Boston Celtics playoff series this season? So it's not that I think the 76ers are so incredible this year. But with that being said, I would choose them in a very long series. I'm talking probably seven games and really coming down to the wire. But look, the 76ers were missing their second best player in Ben Simmons last year. And I Everybody knows I'm not a big Ben Simmons guy, but take away what he does on offense. I don't even care about that. You start sticking him on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and the games become so much more difficult for a Celtics team that already has incredible offensive struggles. They just can't put points on the board, and when you add two guys that could be potential defensive player of the year in any given year, which are Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and you put those guys on the floor against them, it's a very different geometry when the Celtics are trying to get their half-court offense going. Right, and there's no doubt the 76ers will be better this postseason. They, of course, were hurt by injuries last year, and having Ben Simmons back, like you said, at least defensively, is a big help. And he is their best passer, and it's not particularly close either. No. So having him as a playmaker, especially in transition, will be pivotal. 
Um, and of course they added a guy like Seth Curry, who's an elite three point shooter to help stretch the floor. So it'll, it will look very different. They have Danny green as well. <laughs> who knows what Danny green will see. We'll see Spurs, Danny green. We'll see Fanny green. Who knows? But they, I think they somewhere do in have the middle. a somewhere in the middle. Sure. And that's good enough having Dwight Howard. So they have, they have some solid depth. They definitely have more depth than the Celtics. George so, Hill. Don't forget about George Hill. Right. When he's he's going to be super helpful. Yeah. So the question is, well, so you have the Sixers, and I'll come out and say I have the Boston Celtics in, in a Sixers-Celtics series, and I'm not just making that judgment based on last year, but it does somewhat influence me by, like last year we saw Joel Embiid absolutely dominate. And they got their their butt whooped, and I know the team's a lot better, but I it's, I still have some reservations, knowing that even if Embiid can dominate, it still might not matter. And even if this team is better, maybe that just makes this a longer series. I don't know. But when you look at the Celtics, you still have the same formula of having like three and D, more than three and D, just like wings, elite wings that can score the basketball can play defense, can hit clutch shots, and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, we always know he shows up for big moments. He usually has that one incredible 8-3 game. And then Kemba Walker starting to look a little bit better. And that, that to me, is a huge, huge fact. He is the X factor in this series to me. If we see a healthy, productive Kemba Walker averaging 20 a game, that's going to very much so help the Celtics offense. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think the biggest thing for me is when we're looking at these two teams and the series they played last year, everybody knew that the 76ers were not the real deal when the playoffs rolled around. They were losing over and over again to bad teams on the road, and you could obviously tell that the front court combination of Joel Embiid and Al Horford was not going to play out in the playoffs throughout the whole year. And the Celtics, on the other hand, were rolling the entire time. Jason Tatum was playing some of the best basketball of his career before the regular season ended for for COVID last year. And then he started to get back to it in the bubble, never really hit his stride. Uh, And then they lost to the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. But you said it at the beginning. The biggest difference for the 76ers beyond Ben Simmons, beyond the addition by subtraction of Al Horford, is the addition of shooters around Joel Embiid. Because Embiid gets doubled nearly every time he has the ball. Guys pinch in from the wings. They will do anything to get the ball out of his hands. And last year, you had Al Horford and playoff Tobias Harris chucking up like 10% from three in the playoffs. And this year, you're going to have one of the best three-point shooters ever in Seth Curry, by percentage, of course. Um lining up and helping and getting the ball when people pinch on Joel in the post. Right. So what's so if you had three Seth Currys on this team, my answer would be different. But knowing that they still have Tobias Harris, even though he's a very, very, very good regular season player, we've seen the postseason struggles, and, and nothing about this year makes me think that he's going to suddenly flip the switch and be an amazing three-point shooter in the playoffs and and be able to to efficiently score the basketball and that's not a shot at Tobias Harris I just 
I, I want to see it before I before I believe it. And then Danny Green coming off a pretty bad shooting playoffs, even though he's a good defender. It, it's just when a guy like Seth Curry, I have faith in to be really good in the playoffs. It's the rest of the team that still, I, I want to see it first. And knowing that the Celtics can trap Embiid and force the ball to other guys not named Seth Curry is still concerning if I'm a Sixers fan. So I I get that. My thing is, if you look at Danny Green's regular season performance this year, which is more indicative of the rest of his career, I'd say last year with the Lakers was more of a fluke in his career than any other year. He's a good three-point shooter. He shoots, he has a super quick release. When he gets the ball, he can launch it out of the corner. And when you throw him and Seth Curry out there, even if Tobias Harris isn't, you know, in a the kind of player he has been this regular season, you still have the floor spacing that allows Tobias to do a catch and go from the wing and not have to take a three-pointer, to take a pull-up two, which is more in his wheelhouse. And it allows for Ben Simmons to get more, you know, to screen for guys and then cut off ball and do all of that because people have to constantly chase around Seth and Danny. Right. Well, Seth. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I think Danny Green will be a big, big factor in the 76ers success this year. I I foresee them getting past the first round for sure and really giving a team, whether it's the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks, I don't care, uh, a lot of trouble in the second round. Right. And well, look, if they get past the second round and they're playing the Nets, Embiid is the worst. Embiid and Giannis are the two players the Nets don't want to see in the playoffs because they don't really have somebody to stop them. Not at all. But if you have Danny Green and Tobias Harris firing on all cylinders, along with Seth Curry, that is a lot of offensive firepower to combine with the defensive abilities of Simmons and Danny Green and having Tybal when you want him and having Embiid, of course, protecting the paint. And then, of course, you're going to run your offense through Embiid and having those shooters, like I was saying, really helps. So they, they do seem like the more complete team on paper. They seem to have a bigger and deeper bench. Everything points to the 76ers being a better team and being able to win a series against the Celtics, not just in seven, but maybe in five or six too. However, I just don't want to, I don't want to go that way yet until I see it. We have Doc Rivers, who just choked, coming over to the 76ers. True. It seems like they added shooting. They did in Seth Curry for sure. And Danny Green is, of course, over his career, known to be a great three-point shooter. But I got to see it first. Before, I just trust Tobias Harris and Danny Green to knock down shot after shot. They're not going to be open practice shots. You're still going to have guys close out. It's a playoff atmosphere. And so the pressure will be there. And before, I just want to say that the 76ers, because they look better on paper and they've looked better this year, are going to win. You still have to give credit to this Boston Celtics team, who is for the past few years, been consistently good offensively and defensively. They have these ISO guys who can score. They have a guy on a 30-plus million-dollar contract, I think it is, and Kemba Walker, who's been abysmal. (laughs) Who cannot score? Who, yes, (laughs) has been really bad lately. But if he finds a way to, if he can figure it out, you have four guards slash forwards, however you want to call them, who can really score the basketball when Marcus Smart's playing well. And then they added Evan Fournier off the bench to be probably their leading scorer coming off the bench. Definitely. And they have other, like, 
No. Do they have a seven-footer that can stop Joel Embiid? No. Although it would be awesome to see Taco Fall play a few minutes and see what that would be oh like. Oh, my God. He'd that get would be like legendary. Four fouls. He'd have four fouls in two minutes. But they have guys in Grant Williams, Semi, Tristan Thompson, Robert Williams, who are going to trap Joel Embiid, and they're going to force ball rotations, and the Sixers are going to have to move the ball really well and hit shots. And until I see that happen, I'm just going to trust the ISO ability of the Celtics team and the natural talent of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown more than I am every Sixer not named Joel Embiid to to really get it going. So Marcus Smart, this is my Marcus Smart take that I've started to develop recently. Sure. Marcus Smart is on the floor to take important shots away from guys that are better than him. <laughs> Because I swear to God, I have seen Marcus Smart take more clutch shots this year than Jalen or Jason or Kemba. And maybe he should be taking shots over Kemba, but that's not saying much. Um, look, I, I don't like having Smart out there in crunch time because he's too willing to take those shots and he's not a good shooter. He just hit a big three the other night. I forgot who they were playing. But I was impressed. I thought he was going to miss it, right? And sometimes you're going to hit a big shot. Like, if you shoot enough of them, which he does, then you're going to get one. But I don't like his presence out there taking the ball away, allowing other guys to double the important stars, and having him be the guy that ends up, you know, supposedly having to come up clutch in the big moments. So naturally, Marcus Smart has proven at least in my eyes, to be a clutch player. But do I want him taking shots over Brown or Tatum? No, of course not. He's an incredibly if, clutch defensive player. Like, right. elite. But I, I also trust him to make the right play on offense in the crunch in crunch time if, if Tatum and Brown are either covered and he has to get a shot up or whatnot. But do I want Marcus Smart with a minute and a half left in a game down three to pull up in transition and take a three? Probably not. <laughs> Of course, he has the confidence to hit it every time because it's Marcus Smart. But he has, he has the confidence to take it every time. <laughs> to make to it every think time, think he can hit it every time, right? Yeah, that, I mean, he's got the Dion Waiters attitude, which is right, which is fine. But Dion Waiters was a better shooter than Marcus Smart, and he was a more clutch offensive player. Like Marcus Smart is seriously uh, the guy that like you don't want taking that last shot and. He, I just wish they would find a way to get the ball to to Tatum more often in those moments. Well, I have a feeling if you're if you're coming out of a timeout, we know it's going to be in Tatum's hands, and if not, of it'll course, be in Brown's hands. Of course, and if yes. not, it'll be in Kemba's hands, and then there's Marcus Smart, and then it ends up in Smart's hands. And look, that happens sometimes. But what I want to see the Celtics do is to tell Marcus Smart to stop screwing around. And to, you know, get a dribble handoff going with Tatum and get him the ball no matter what. Because Tatum is a really clutch shooter, and he's the guy that needs to be taking those shots. Um, <laughs> you know that you know that this is on record now, which means that when the Sixers play the Celtics in Game 6, Marcus Smart's going to hit a game-winning three. <laughs> yeah, that's all like, I need. It, that's You know what? That's probably true. I did this last night. I tweeted, uh, <laughs> I tweeted that... Jay, the Jason Tatum Jimmy Butler debate has been over since October, which it has. Um, but then the Celtics end up going on like a thirty-one to three run or something as soon as I tweeted that, and they end up winning that game. Um, but look, let's get back to Kemba Walker because he could change my outlook on the series. 
if he starts producing at Charlotte Kemba level again, then I think the Celtics probably win the series. But a lot of people are questioning if Kemba even has the potential to get back to that point because he's had ample time to reach to reach his greatest heights and he has repeatedly failed in the last year and a half with the Celtics. Right, he's been pretty horrible. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. It's it's really it's just the inefficiencies on offense in on a team like the Celtics. The Celtics are not the Houston Rockets from a few years back where they're going to chuck up more shots than you because they can. Like they they are a methodical offense that moves the ball around, plays solid defense, but they're a system team that that works through Brad Stevens' offense, and and they are going to be efficient. And when you have an inefficient player, like Kemba Walker, especially in the playoffs, that's going to hurt you. So it'll come down to whether Kemba can find his efficiency again and become a player that can shoot 35, 36-plus percent from three and at least 43 to 45% from the field. He can't be shooting 20% in playoff games. That's not going to lead to wins. Because you know he's going to get up his 12 to 15 shots because he has the talent offensively. But if he's not hitting them, like, why is he out there? We know he's probably the worst defender in the rotation. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. So he, he has to find his efficiency. And it will be tough against a Sixers team that's going to throw out guys that are bigger than him. Everybody on that team that starts is bigger than him. He'll right. probably have a guy like Danny Green um, covering Kemba, which... They'll have to figure it out, but do I do I necessarily think Kemba will figure it out? No, but do I have some faith in him? Sure, still a great player. That's yeah. No, I I think that if he does once again that the Celtics can fix a lot of their issues. I just personally think it's you know a two percent chance of happening. Uh, right. All right. Now my my last thought. My last thought is let's remember that this is all assuming Joel Embiid is healthy. So one misstep, one banged up knee from Embiid, if he's limited or hurt or out, I mean, then it's a sweep. I think you agree that this, the Celtics, even if he's playing, but he's really limited, like the Celtics are going to win that series. And they quickly, need him to be 100% quickly. healthy. Yeah. And if he's not, then yeah, it's, it's going to be a short series and, and the Sixers have no chance because they have to run their offense through Embiid. Otherwise, who's Correct. creating Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons for who? So... Yep, and my last point, I just want to touch on the comedy of Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson, and Taco Fall trying to defend Joel, because (laughs) Robert Williams is one of the least disciplined big men defenders in the league, and while he gets incredible blocks, and he can sometimes make an athletic, you know, highlight play, he is just not a positional defender. He doesn't know where to be. And I'm not saying it's his fault. I think he has a ton of potential. But when we're looking at this year, I don't foresee him being able to last more than four minutes against Embiid without picking up two to three fouls. He's going right. to get knocked out. And if Tristan Thompson is in there guarding Embiid, good luck, Celtics. I see a situation where Robert Williams gets a little bit better defensively and more disciplined as the series goes on, but ultimately he's going to be in foul trouble with at least four plus fouls every single game. That's that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when he picks those up. Yep, for sure. But if he lasts till the third quarter and stays out of foul trouble and he's able to play, 
Then you have Tristan Thompson, who's going to pick up four fouls in, in 12. Who cares, though? As long as you keep Embiid like, from easy, easy shots and you, and you make him earn it, like I know you don't want to put the Sixers in the bonus, but also, you could always just foul Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Good so, point. We should but, end on no, that. Yeah, there you go. We'll end <laughs> on that. Ben Simmons. Always remember to embrace your inner towel, boy.